This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year the low. There are, of who course, is the Stephen Bradbury of He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing Mr. the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, g'day, Adam. How are you? Ah, doing pretty well, thank you. Thomas, big show coming up. Thanks for joining us again, or welcome if you're tuning in for the first time. Again, Thomas, got some nice reviews coming mm. in this week. Oh, uh, review who goes by the name of Sarah says, such a great podcast. I look forward to my morning commute on Fridays as it means I can listen to a new episode Awesome guests, and I loved your order pad episodes. Oh, dear. <laughs> Lovely review. Not for us, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, order pads, of course, being a feature of another great podcast from Equity Mates Media, Talk Money To Me. So nice review. Maybe chuck it on over there and leave us a, a good one as well. would be much appreciated. Um, speaking of great podcasts from Equity Mates Media, Thomas, uh, there's actually another one launching soon called Crypto Curious. Mm. Had to happen. Mm. Podcast about crypto. Who would have thought? Uh, but this one's good. It's breaking down the basics, everything you ever wanted to know about crypto and the world of digital tokens and coins and things like that. But for now, massive show to get through, Thomas. Uh, a lot, A lot coming up. Mm. Put the wood aside. We're cooking with gas. We'll see why Woodside and Santos are going gangbusters. Good news for you if you've got baby boomer parents. They're all going to die soon. Um, Are you ready for that? (laughs) And what that means? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know about that one. (laughs) Are you ready for what that means? Donald Trump has a new social media platform. I tried and I can't make that any funnier than that statement of fact already is. But first, I went searching Telegram for a pump and dump group and all I found was a lousy share trading group. Why are these groups making ASIC upset? This is a funny story. ASIC got on a Telegram channel called ASX Pump Organization in the middle of them trying to do a pump and dump scheme on a penny stock called Magnus Energy Technologies, so listed on the ASX. ASIC, sorry, ASIC, Australian Securities and Investment Commission. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're the regulator of the financial markets, of the share market, and everything related to the finance markets. Telegram being like an encrypted chat group thing. So I don't want to like dumb it down too much, but some people probably never even heard of Telegram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a literal Telegram. From Alexander Bell. <laughs> yeah, so so this group was was doing a pump and dump scheme. So the idea is that you find a, um, a thinly traded stock 
And so apparently the ASX is ripe for this kind of thing because there's a long tail mm. of really small junior miners and things like that that don't have a lot of trade volumes. And so if you all get on at the same time and all buy at the same time, you can pump the the stock higher and then you sort of create an uplift and then others join it. There's a lot of bot trading that happens and sees this sort of trend happening and so they, they get on board as well. The, the stock price pumps and then you dump it. You mm. sell at a higher price and and make some money that's that's the idea so you're trying to trick the market right you're trying to gamify the market yeah so it's it's illegal like it has been illegal for a long time how illegal is it though like is it like really illegal <laughs> like what are the what kind of stakes are we talking about i think i'm asking for a friend yeah <laughs> uh no it's it's pretty illegal yeah it's um <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Like, no, right. it's serious. You, you can do jail time over it. Like, if it's like right. a, a serious kind of a thing, and and people have done serious jail time over pump and dump schemes. It's kind of hard to prove. Like, you got to catch people coordinating and and organising and doing that. Probably the mistake they made was labelling their Telegram channel ASX Pump Organisation. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a little bit of a tell. It's a real red flag to the to the regulator. What's yeah, going yeah. on in here? <laughs> yeah, that that one didn't slip through their their AI search <laughs> algorithms. Uh, weren't they weren't the groups publicly listed as well? So because they wanted people to join and they wanted people to find them. Yeah, you could just search for them. Yeah, I think you just search pump and pump and dump, and it comes up. This <laughs> is so what ASIC did. So then ASIC did, yeah. it, and then ASIC joined. And then posted with their own little logo and then posted, we are monitoring this channel and we may be investigating you. Remember, you run the risk of a criminal record, including fines and prison time by being involved in pump and dump campaigns. Did anyone believe it was really ASIC though? They would have been like, what, whatever, is this, is this Knackers 23 backers with a new handle and a new... <laughs> I think a lot of people didn't believe them. It's a bit like getting a call from the ATO on your, yeah, on your phone. Exactly. This is an ATO would have been, totally would federal have police. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the the group admin replies and says, "Asic, if you are busy watching over four hundred little traders buying up a stock together, then you are pathetic. Go for the big funds that manipulate stocks on a daily basis. Scum of the earth. Let the riot begin." <laughs> <laughs> Let the ride begin with our, our little group of 400 traders. <laughs> Don't make us riot. All of us 400 geographically dispersed traders will we'll pay for a, a cheap budget airline ticket. We'll probably fly Bonza. Um, we'll get together and then we'll riot. But I kind of, I kind of, I don't know, sympathise a little bit. Like, these guys are just kind of... I mean, you know, you say it's illegal, but they're just trying to kind of pump up a little stock, make a little bit of, a bit of a side hustle. It reminds me of the time I got busted, like, buying weed as, like, a 17-year-old kid. And the cops literally sat around the corner from the dealer's house waiting for people to come out, and then they would, like, pull you over and arrest you. And I was like... At the time, I was like, dude, you clearly know where the dealer lives. You, you know he's home right now. He's just there. You can see him. Cop was like, yeah, but I'm still not accepting that four pounds of weed on the back seats for personal use. 
No, don't do drugs, kids. No. Um, yeah, it's a lot like that. It kind of is. Yeah, but it's just flagrantly breaking the law, right? You're calling it the ASX Pump oh, yeah. Organization. There's another channel called ASX Pump Singles, another one called ASX Pump and Dump Channel. It's clearly people participating in illegal behavior. So it's like if ASIC mm. lets, that, lets that slide, where, where does it end? And if it takes off and, the, and people start making, more people start making money off these schemes and the schemes start multiplying, then you can really mess with, with thinly traded stocks and that undermines the integrity of the market. As a, as a regulatory action, like they're not actually, there's no one's press, they're not pressing charges, no one's doing, you know, they're not, no one's going to court over it. All they did is post one little, you know, four, 40 words post to a group yeah. And that sort of, and a lot of people left the group, and and that pump of Magnus Technologies didn't go anywhere. So, right. I think as far as regulatory bang for buck, it's pretty good. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Because yeah, I guess if they if they really wanted to to weed them out, then you're not you're not going in with that approach, are you? No, no, you'd let yeah. the you'd let them hey, do it. The and AFP then... here. <laughs> <laughs> Just wondering if we can, you know, like the old uh, the old uh, age, sex, location question. Everyone used to enter chat groups in the nineties with. Do you remember that? <laughs> Everyone, anyone entering a chat group would be like ASL question mark and like asking people to disclose their their age, gender, and where they were based. Just like as a sort of introductory kickoff question but it just like yeah uh-huh, okay I imagine anyone's responding to that to, to asic <laughs> in an encrypted chat chat forum <laughs> hey where's everyone from <laughs> oh, um, adelaide hey hey what's yeah. the, uh, what's your name there fella yeah but asic did have to go over because on september the 9th there was a telegram group that succeeded in pushing up australasian gold and they got that that stock price to to pump eighty four percent in fifteen minutes. Did we ever? Did we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. All right. Look, Woodside and Santos Thomas. Apparently, they're cashing in on the energy crisis. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. So we covered the energy crisis a little few episodes ago with the UK, but it's sort of gone global, and yeah, energy prices are going through the roof everywhere. But that's good news for energy exporters, and we have a bunch of them. Uh, so Woodside Petroleum and Santos had their reported their quarterly earnings for September, and they raked in together three point six billion in sales. Uh, it's a big number. That's up eighty percent uh, from the same time last year. Eighty percent. Big gain in revenues. Yeah. So they're yeah. So they're they're just creaming it at the moment. So what kind of energy we're we talking? About? Uh, LNG. LNG. Right. Yeah. Gas. Yeah, so the two of them sold 18 LNG tankers um, into the Asian market. So an LNG tanker in 2020, this time last year, cost $10 million. Right now they're selling them for $280 million. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, huge, huge, huge gain. So they're, yeah, so they're, just, they're just raking in hand over fist at the moment. The Woodside's chief financial officer, Sherry Du said, it's unprecedented and wonderful, obviously. But equally, if not more exciting, is what we're expecting in quarter four. It'll be a strong quarter based on what we're seeing to date. Right. Load up then. Woodside and Santos shares. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is that they, they reported these, these crazy numbers and their shares per, fell 2% and 1% respectively because analysts thought they should have been better. Man, I hate the stock market. <laughs> Like I hear about a company like this, like Woodside and Santos, just killing it, and you're just like, oh, I wish I'd bought like you know a week ago, 
and then you find out, no, nah, it didn't matter because their, their share price went down. Yeah, it's, you've, you've got to work pretty hard to get ahead of the market. By the time you're hearing it in the news or here, probably, it's probably too late. Uh, <laughs> Fair to say, by the time we're talking about it, it's already happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. BM, so creaming it. So, I mean, this is so LNG. This is like the gateway energy, right, between coal and green. <laughs> right, so where you going there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seen as seen as a transition fuel, and it's not, I don't think it's a green energy, but it's yeah, it's seen seen as helping helping the transition. But energy prices are yeah. up everywhere, and 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 LNG prices are linked to coal prices, are linked to oil. So. Yeah, a lot of a lot of LNG prices are indexed to the oil price and, and lagged by about three months. That's one thing I learned this week. Yeah, so so, so the whole energy energy market's pretty connected, and they're like because they're largely substitutable. Yeah, so energy prices are up everywhere. But yeah, LNG in particular, creaming it. Yeah, so and so, so this is this is going good news for Australia, obviously, because it's going to our trade balance is already booming. Exports are through the roof because we're such a, a you know commodity intensive economy. Um, so that yeah, so trade balance is booming, money's coming in, uh, government revenues are going to increase based on the, the tax revenue. So yeah, it's all good news for Australia. All pump, pumping it along. The the other thing though is. Yeah, so this is so we've got another mining boom going on. So we're you know reveling. Don't tell me we're starting another super cycle. Yeah, yeah. No, we're not. We can't be. <laughs> no, I mean future future energy prices have already started to come off. Like, things got pretty crazy there for a bit, but it's starting. The market's sorting itself out, and most most analysts seem to think there is enough energy in the system. It's just not where it needs to be right now. And they're sort of like it's sort of a, it's on a tanker in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> well, this is the thing. So they had like this time last year. Like everyone cancelled orders, and you had LNG tankers just anchored off ports or just doing loops around countries with nowhere to go because they couldn't offload the LNG. Some of them were stuck in the Suez Canal. Yes, that's that's true. That did happen. So, so there was a, there was a, like this time last year, there was a total collapse in the LNG price because demand had totally collapsed, and then so then the market adjusted to that reality, thinking like, okay, we're in for a soft spell people are cancelling orders but then the economy came back much more quickly than people were expecting and then boom there's not the lng isn't where it's supposed to be and then you got a you got a spike in the price yeah right so this will be short term then so as you say it's already yes yeah, it seems like it's working its way through the system it shouldn't last too long the, the, the risk is that we get a cold winter in europe cold european winter and that'll drive That'll drive energy demand and that'll drive prices high. There isn't a lot of inventories in Europe right now, but by you know first second quarter next year, it should be sort of sorting itself out. It seems. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So good news for Australia. But there's an interesting thing. So the Harvard Kennedy School has a Center for International Development, and every year they release an Atlas of Economic Complexity. Mm. Sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Right. No, it is. So they so they measure the the diversity and sophistication of each country's exports. Where do you think we rank in the world <laughs> in terms of export diversity yeah, complexity? We would rank probably stone motherless last. I reckon. Yeah. I don't know about last, but we're ninety third. We're ahead of ahead of Pakistan, but we're behind the tech powerhouses of Senegal and Uganda. <laughs> 
in 91 and 92. Yeah. So you can, you can have, there's an idea. You can have too much of a good thing that we, you, we can get a bit lazy because we sort of, we can ride on the, on the coal trucks back. Um, and we're not, not investing in innovation and sort of com- the complexity of our economy and have a, don't have a manufacturing sector pretty much. So maybe, maybe it'll come back to bite us. <laughs> well, let's not focus on, the, on that, that yet, Doris. <laughs> just enjoy the good times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tax cuts for uh, everybody. Nice one. All right, why don't we uh, we'll take a break here, grab a word from our sponsors and be back with more Comedian versus Economist after this. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. Don't forget you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at CVE Podcast, or why not send us an email, cve at equitymates.com, or head over to the website, equitymates.com forward slash CVE. And sending us an email is exactly what Jordan from Melbourne did. Send us through a link uh, that he came across that was talking about a wealth tsunami, Thomas, a Mm. tsunami of wealth Mm. um, that is going to the next generation. So once uh, the baby boomers have had their fun uh, and move on to the next their next journey um a lot of people are going to be getting a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, what's going on yeah so yeah there's a report this week that tried to put some numbers on that um and reckon there's a, whop- a whopping is their their words it's not a, not a technical economics <laughs> term <laughs> a whopping 3.5 trillion dollars of will, will be transferred from the baby boomers to their kids over the next 15 years right yeah 3.7 trillion 3.5 yeah yeah 3.5, sorry. Yeah, right. so it's, that's pretty substantial. If I've learned anything, it's don't give your kids $3.5 <laughs> trillion. It's not going to end well. Uh, yeah. No, it's substan- like, so, so the housing market, total housing market's worth $9 trillion, just to put that in some perspective. Yeah, so yeah, so a substantial amount of wealth. Yeah, there's 7.5 million baby boomers. The baby boomers have 7.5 million children. And if 70% of that wealth is transferred, then the average Aussie will get $320,000 each. Score. I mean, I'll miss your mum and dad, (laughs) obviously, but (laughs) it's good news. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we are getting that personally, but... Well, you're not. You already already melted down the gold rings that dad gave you as an heirloom. (laughs) Did not. (laughs) I didn't, dad. I'm wearing it right now. He's not that. He melted them down. Don't believe me. Okay, so they're um, and what's the concern? 
What like why why is this a is this a problem? Ah uh, no no well no 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 it's not a problem. The, the report was sort of make, making the case that people aren't planning for this wealth transfer and that we're not ready for it. I mean we, we've been hearing a little bit about this for a while that when when the baby boomers try to liquidate their wealth because there's such mm. a bulge in the population that you could have this effect that there's so many baby boomers liquidating their wealth so turning their assets into cash to either like to fund their lifestyle or they pass away and they liquidate and, and sell it pass it on to their kids that if enough of that happens on mass then you get a big selling pressure in asset markets and you could see it in housing where they sell down their housing and that puts downward pressure on prices or they sell off their shareholdings and that puts downward pressure on shares or businesses is the other one that there's a lot of baby boomers owning businesses and then when they try to retire and sell out of their businesses that that puts a lot of businesses on the market and you end up with pushing down the prices there so we've been hearing about that for a little while but we haven't really seen it yet are they are they uh like we call them the baby boomers presumably because there was a there was a baby boom right mm. there was so many of them there mm. so are they they are the sort of the biggest by number like are they the most populous kind of generation like are there, are there more boomers than the next generation uh well, that's like when good... they leave will they be leaving behind a lot of services that they were using that aren't maybe needed as much anymore like i don't know healthcare and... i don't i don't think so because the the australian population has grown underneath them so the baby boomers were a big proportion of the population at the time but the entire population has grown we've had a strong immigration program uh so i have to check the numbers but i don't think I, don't, I think there is a substantial number of them, but I don't think I, – I think Australia is – because you have these sort of population pyramids where they sort of rack these up and you can look at – like Japan has a very – has a problematic population period where they have a lot of old people and then in the younger cohorts it's quite empty. Um, the Australian one doesn't look anywhere near as bad as that. Um, but it is true there's a lot – there is a lot of them. And they are substantial – you know, it's quite, yeah, it, 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 there's a substantial number of them. I was just looking at this article here, 57% to leave everything to them, mm, to, to the, the kids, kids. Mm-hmm. everything. So that's only fifth, that's just over half that are going to leave everything to the kids. Mm. Meanwhile, 19% will only pass on the family home and 13% would hand over their savings to the kids. Only 13% are giving their savings to the kids. What kind of bastard holds on to their savings after they've passed on? Yeah, what are they doing with them? Same people who are lodging bloody noise complaints in Melbourne three days out of lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like, I don't get it. Mm. What's, what, what else do you do with it? Do you leave it in a trust and you donate it to the, you know, probably the family pet or something? Yeah, yeah, maybe charities. I don't know. Fix it, fixing up the environment. That they trashed, right. I don't know. So the big, the big worry is that this, the next generation, so presumably what, like what our generation, mm. Gen X, Gen Y, aren't going to know what to do with it because yeah. they didn't. They, they surveyed people here as well. Said thirty nine percent will put it into savings. Yeah, yeah, that seems reasonable. I mean, yeah, the, the the authors were making the point that people should have it, do something better with it other than stick it in savings. But I think people were just like, well, I'll figure out what to do with it later. I didn't. I didn't know I was going to get three hundred twenty thousand. I'll stick it in, stick it in the bank, and then figure out what to do with it. <laughs> You've caught me on the whole. I'm dealing with the passing of my parents, you heartless pricks. <laughs> I'm just going to put it in savings mm. for now. Mm. 34% saying they would put it into investments. 16% were keen to spend it on items they couldn't otherwise afford. Mm. 
or were guilted out of by their parents. So <laughs> that's right, Dad. I'm investing in a jet ski. Finally. <laughs> You're not here to tell me it's a terrible financial decision. Uh, Pays for itself, jet ski. (laughs) Thomas, finally, this is good. Mm. Donald Trump is going to launch a new social media platform Mm. called Truth. Mm. Truth Social, yeah, yeah. He's launching launching an app. There's a a beta launch for invited guests in November this year, looking to roll out in the first quarter of 2022. Yes, like his his own personal Facebook, effectively it's going to be. He says, I created Truth Social to stand up to the tyranny of big tech. We live in a world where the Taliban has a huge presence on Twitter, yet your favorite American president has been silenced. This is unacceptable. <laughs> Gosh, there's so much here. Like the, I was reading through some of the, some of the terms and conditions. Truth Social terms state, that users may not disparage, tarnish, or otherwise harm, in our opinion, us and all the site. Yeah, um, us. Well, so Trump So you're not allowed. <laughs> you know how people get on Facebook and complain about Facebook? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not allowed on oh. truth. <laughs> Here there's only truth. <laughs> and even better than that, the terms and conditions go on to say that if you do, that they can sue you. <laughs> so oh, wow. they're allowed to take legal action against you if you start talking smack about truth <laughs> on truth. These wow. these terms and conditions look like they were written by Trump himself. Yeah, right. Seriously. The list of prohibited activities includes the excessive use of capital letters. <laughs> How many tweets has Trump put out that are just all caps? I know. I know. <laughs> wow. Even, even like there are large sections of the terms and conditions that are written in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Wow. Man, it's going to like it's already been hacked. That's how good it is. Right. Um, it's already been hacked by, you know, the activist group Anonymous. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there was a beta site. They stood up <laughs> like, hey, look, we made truth. And then Anonymous hacked it or someone claiming to be from Anonymous uh-huh. hacked it, started just creating like random accounts for Trump. And um, I think was it Steve Bannon, his advisor. Yeah. So they had to shut down the beta. <laughs> <laughs> now they've run into issues with some open source licensing. So there's a, an, I think a, a social media platform, open source platform called Mastodon. Um, and they've pretty much just started using that code without, you know, adhering to any of the license or the, the rights that go with using that. Even It's open source software, but you've still got to kind of use it in the right manner. Um, and they're not. So they've kind of stolen the code. <laughs> have made this site it got hacked it's just it's got disaster written all over it wow so it's it's a bit like um what was it parlor parlor mm, mm, mm. and it was just like no nah, we you know apple and google were like yeah i think we're going to just remove the app from the app store and then Amazon were like, yeah, I think we're just going to not let you host it on our infrastructure anymore. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that he's taking on big tech with his truth platform that is probably going to end up either hacked or not hosted anywhere. Mm, mm. But yeah. it sounds very kind of, what do they call, what do they call Kim Jong-un? Like their fearless leader or whatever. It's got that kind of vibe to it. Like uh, it's, yeah, right, right. You know, like you won't, you won't talk smack about Trump yeah. or, or truth. Yeah. Um, you won't use caps. 
everything here is amazing. You know, Trump's amazing. You know, and, and anyone who yeah. says anything to the contrary will be sued. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound like a lot of truth. No, no. Yeah. The thing I love, so Trump's come out and said that boring Twitter has lost users since they banned him. When in fact they'd gained seven million users since since they banned him, so that would turn out to be fake news. Truth. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah. So I think like Trump had to do this right. So he, you know, any brand needs to be able to connect with their audience, and he was a master at connecting with his audience through mm. Twitter and Facebook and all of that. And then once he got deplatformed, then he lost that ability to connect and even Fox News wasn't giving him the, the platform that he wanted. So he sort of had to sort of come up with this something. It's like I, I kind of imagine really what he's setting up is a mailing list, an interactive right. mailing list is kind of how I'm imagining it and how, how I imagine he's imagining it working. This is a platform for Trump to talk to his users. It's not really to replace Facebook mm. and social. It's, it's about the Trump message, promoting the Trump message, circulating the Trump message. That's that's the point. And I think that's what he, he will want to control very tightly. And that's where I think it's probably going to fail because Facebook says that we'll just create the platform and then people use it however they want. And then and that and that's that interactivity that creates that, that sense of ownership. Otherwise, you're just signing up for a mailing list, right? And I don't, I don't know how much. It's not a social media platform then. It's just a website. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's if it's one way communications, if it's like we're hosting some content so that we and we hope people will come and read it, mm. that's that's just a website circa nineteen ninety three. <laughs> that's not a social media platform. Yeah, yeah. But people want social media platforms. So I think that I think that's what he's he's trying to he's trying to dress up a, a an an email list as a social media platform because he has to because he has to be able to talk to his base and at the moment he doesn't have a doesn't have a platform to do that. But I think I think the other interesting thing here is that we sort of kind of just accepted the idea that it was okay for Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, Google, all of it to deplatform Trump. And you kind of remember like there was a sort of a push for Facebook to do that, to tidy up the misinformation that was out there, to tidy up the fake news, the state actors interfering in, in politics that Facebook was sort of dragged into that. They didn't really want to get into that censorship story. One, because it's like, it's sort of, it's funny terrain. But two, it's like just logistically tricky. Because then if if you're censoring and moderating, you need moderators and then you need to train moderators and then it all becomes quite expensive and you need to, you know, be able to monitor a huge amount of data. And um, so so Facebook was sort of, and the, the big tech was sort of dragged into that and kind of pushed into it. And it kind of wasn't until really that, the, the capital riots where they kind of went like, okay, yeah, right, this has got out of hand. We do need to take some responsibility here and listen to the people that have been calling for us to deplatform Trump. And so they sort of came to that, but it's not an ideal situation that it's continuing that, that Google and Facebook and Instagram, which are essentially corporations with no democratic accountability, are the censors of information in society. Like, I don't know that's an ideal outcome. I don't think truth social is the answer to that, but. <laughs> well, it sounds like you might be signing up to truth social yeah. just to uh, just to stick it to the to big tech. But no, I hear, I hear what you're saying. Well, where, what's the alternative? The governments need to, like ultimately then it must fall to the government, surely. If you, you can't rely on big business to do it, as you say, because they're not. Not accountable. You don't know how they're Yeah, I mean, they might, they might do a good job of it, but it'll 
kind of be an accident. And in a way, it'll... That's like the government. <laughs> yeah. Well, the government is at least has some democratic <laughs> accountability and you can... You know, have you could, yeah, true. There's strong and stronger and weak forms of democratic accountability. Like you could have, I don't know what it would be, a commission with some oversight panel of experts. But arguably, though, can't you make the same case and say that people could vote with their feet or with their their device and not use Facebook? So mm. you talk about democracy. People could say, you know, I don't like the fact that, and maybe this is what Trump's trying to latch onto. He's saying, look. You know, Facebook's trying to censor us. They're trying to censor you. You should stop using it and come over to Truth, the real social network where, you know, mm-hmm. just don't use caps. Don't use caps. Um, so, you know, in, in the way the government is elected, mm. businesses like Facebook and Google and whatever have mm. users yeah. who might leave if they're not happy. So, Well, that would be the market solution to that. That problem. I don't know. It, it, there isn't. It's this is this is. We're at the frontier of dealing with this problem. Like we've never had the reality of of the internet and the you know just how fast information is right now and how quickly some misinformation can spread. The way the information gets spun by particular agendas is we've never really had to deal with it. And COVID's COVID's really interesting. I think because it then it it says well like it's we actually this is a really complex problem where people are going to die information is really important uh, and the correct information is really important and we need some mechanism that filters the the truth to into the policy sphere so we can act on it we don't have great mechanisms for that and i think yeah we're it's still a challenge that humanity has to solve so trump's trump's taken up the mantle (laughs) <laughs> if anyone if anyone can do it he's made a new company trump uh what was the company called trump technology trump and media, media and technology group trump media and technology so that's exciting he started a started a, this was after i guess off the back of his failed building company that couldn't even make a wall <laughs> yeah well they're, 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 they're trying to cut youtube's t- turf with a video on demand service specializing in quote non-woke pro- programming <laughs> non woke. Woke, yeah. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like yeah. Unwoke. Sleepy programming. Sleepy programming. It's daytime telly for <laughs> it's probably not far off daytime T V actually. Yeah. I don't know. What is non woke? Yeah, I've got no idea. It's it's a funny way to define what you're doing, but there you go. Yeah, it's almost like well here's a word that everyone who I don't like seems to like. Yeah. <laughs> So I'll just make it not that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very good. All right. Why don't we Why don't we leave it there? Um, that's it for us for another week. Thank you very much for tuning in. We do appreciate your support. Don't forget to go and leave us a review if you can. That'd be great. Um, and don't forget, of course, to go and check out all the other great shows across Equity Mates Media. Get started investing. Equity Mates Investing Podcast. You're in good company. Talk money to me. And of course, the new podcast coming out soon, Crypto Curious. The trailer is already up if you want to go and subscribe to that one. So that's it. That's it for us. We will talk to you again next week. See you then. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. 
For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.